This is episode 116 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Welcome to episode 116 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today, I have Eric Doyle on the show. Eric is a realtor based out of Hamilton, Ontario, and he's also an investor focusing on flips at the moment. As he builds up his qualifications so that he can get refinance mortgages, he's working towards being able to burr, but right now he's focusing on flips, which I think is actually a really great strategy. It's kind of like walking before you can run. When you do flips, you can pretty well do any deal you know there's profit in, whereas when you're doing a burr, I Ideally, as an investor, we're trying to get our money back out and recycle it. So we need that built-in 20% margin. So it's a great way to get your feet wet as long as you know you have contingency plans. So we talk about Eric's flipping business. We talk about the market right now, what's happening in the Hamilton area, what's happening out towards Niagara and surrounding areas, and where Eric sees opportunity. So it was a very interesting discussion. There are still places where you can potentially get close to the 1% rule and get deals that still cash flow in Ontario. So although it's becoming more of a unicorn there is still a way to make it happen and i thought it was a really interesting discussion eric's still new to this but he's moving quickly and i admire his intensity and his work ethic as always if you're new to this podcast and some of the terminology we're using isn't familiar i recommend you head right back to episode one and start from the beginning where we really dig into the basics and the nuts and bolts i also offer a cash flow spreadsheet if you find that useful for analyzing deals you can access that from my website andrew-hines.com if you haven't already done so please make sure you hit the like subscribe and notification bell and go ahead and leave a comment if you're watching on youtube if you're an audio listener i'd greatly appreciate it if you could take a moment and provide a five-star review and a rating on Apple podcast. It just helps more people to find the show. So without further ado, please enjoy episode 116 with Eric Doyle. Hello and welcome to the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. I have Eric Doyle on the show and uh, I think we've met before in passing, but uh, I don't know your story. So Eric, why don't you uh, take it away and tell us tell us what you do and, and uh, what you got going on in real estate? Yeah, absolutely. So we did meet uh, about a year ago at a networking event, uh, just in passing, as you mentioned. So I guess a bit about me, I joined Dylan Suter's team for uh, as a realtor in a couple of years ago, I was an investor before that. I started with a bunch of rent to owns. Um, I read Rich Dad Poor Dad, and that's kind of how I got into. I, I caught the investing bug, uh, so then I joined Dylan's team to learn more about real estate investing, and it's been a, a, quite a fast paced ride after, ever since. Yeah, what's it, what's it like working with uh, with Dylan on a daily basis? Are you are you typically working with him, or are you kind of running your own shop underneath his operation? Yeah, so totally running my own. Um, we do work like on a daily basis. We have a couple meetings together. I can call him up anytime. Um, mm-hmm. But he runs, as I'm sure you're aware, because you've seen his schedule, a very busy and very fast paced team. Uh, so I had to elevate myself to that standard uh, over the past couple of years. And now that I would never trade it for the world, I would never go back. Yeah. So you're busy all day long, every day then, I guess, just like all day long, every day. So I, I changed from my nine to five job. I was a security, uh, I guess, consultant supervisor before um, going into policing. And I completely did a 180 learning about investing and came on the real estate team. Yeah. Yeah, when did you like? So when was Rich Dad Poor Dad? When when did the the light bulb flick on for for you? I would say I read that about five years ago. Okay. Uh, so I've always been kind of interested in you know having wealth. Um, I saw a lot of. I, I was raised middle family, so I thought a lot of um, everything is too expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can't do that, like that kind of stuff. So I saw 
money as a way to freedom or having time and money freedom. So I, from a young age, I already had that. Um, and then reading Rich Dad Poor Dad got into real estate and now it's just yeah. amazing. I, I would never go back. Yeah, that book did it for a lot of people. For me, it wasn't actually the start for me. I actually read that after I bought the first two. And, oh, okay. and then I, you know, it gave me a little bit of a wake up call. You know, he talked about the liability of your home and I'm like, wow, he's right. You know, you want to minimize, minimize all that stuff until you, you know, you have passive income paying for everything. Yeah, exactly. So, so you started with rent to own. When did you buy your first one? So I bought my first one around four years ago, 2017. Yeah. So four yeah. years ago, I actually did not have enough money by myself. So I joined ventured with a friend. Um, at like a 5% down, lived in the property uh, for a couple months or for the year. I can't remember what, how long it was. Uh, and then we rented that out for rent to own after. Mm-hmm. Uh, I probably wouldn't start that way, but that was kind of my starting. I didn't really know anyone in investing and that was, that was the only step I saw to go forward. I just, just wanted to get in so bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So similar, I, I had the intentions. Well, I was looking at the rent to own option with my first couple. Um, neither of them panned out that way, but, uh, it's, it's kind of an anticlimactic approach to starting because you get all this energy. I want to go, I want to go. And then you get in there and then it's just like, now what, you know, you can't refinance it. You can't, uh, you can't add value to it. There's nothing you can do. Your money's trapped in there. Yep. And, totally agree. Yeah. And then you just got to wait and hope the market goes up. And of course, you know, hope that hope the tenants actually do what they're supposed to do, get their credit fixed. And, uh, there's a lot of stuff going on there. Did you use like a company to facilitate your rent to owns or you just learned it yourself and set it up? So I kind of learned it myself through rockstar. Uh, they were the original brokerage that I bought my first thing through. Uh, I went to one of their classes that they held and then that's where actually where I met the partner I'm now invested with. I still have that property. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as you know, my rent to own did not work out either. So we just own a single family home together that's currently like breaking even on cash flow, which is mm-hmm. obviously not ideal. Which city is that in? St. Catharines. So I've been very lucky that the appreciation has been super, yeah. super strong, <laughs> which makes it all worth it. But if that was in a different city and we didn't get uh, appreciation lucky, I guess, then yeah. that probably wouldn't have worked out as well as it does. Now, this isn't advice to anybody listening, but. What I'm doing actually on my, on my properties right now is a couple of them. I'm just, well, I am refinancing, but even if you didn't want to refinance to take more out, you can just refinance to re-amortize your loan, right? If your cash flow tight, you don't necessarily need to access that extra equity if you don't want to. But um, what I've done and I'm working on right now is, is, is basically just replace the mortgage roughly dollar for dollar what's currently outstanding, but then have a line of credit available behind that. And uh, that's a really good tool. And then in the process, you can actually improve your cash flow on your property. If you're, you know, if you're currently amortized 23 years, bring that back up to a 30 and all of a sudden cash flow gets better. So just a thought anyways, tangent, but. Um, for sure. It's a good, but, it's a good tangent though. Good strategy. Yeah. yeah I mean, we, Cash flow gives you staying power, right? We never know what's going to happen. Um, a lot of people are struggling to to find cash flow. So if you can create it that way in your portfolio, it's going to help you sleep at night. For me, it does anyway. Um, so what else have you gotten yourself into since the uh, the rent to start? So since the rent to I've now been doing flips ever since join, uh, joining Dylan's team. So I'm partnering with my brother. We're doing all 100% hard money, kind of the same thing as Dylan does. 
Okay. Uh, so we're finding these properties, fixing them up and then selling them. And my brother owns a self business. So he'll be able to get mortgages in two years or no, two years will be up in November. So then we'll start looking into Burr strategies, which is my favorite, mm-hmm. favorite real estate investing strategy, which is multifamilies. Yeah. Have you done any of those yet? Or you're really just waiting until you, you can get the qualification. Yeah. I'm just waiting for my brother to get the qualification in November. Mm-hmm. Um, I've helped like a ton of clients along through those and apartment buildings. Yeah. I just don't have any myself currently. Yeah. I've said this before. I think it's really, it's really important to, well, to at least be able to flip because you have to actually have a built in 20% margin if you want to be able to burr, right? If you want to actually get the perfect burr where you can get the money all back out. So it's actually a little easier to flip sometimes than, than it is to burr. So it's great that while you're waiting, you're doing that. Where are you doing that? Which cities? So I have one in Grimsby right along the beach currently. I uh, have one in St. Catharines. And then I just sold one in Thorold uh, two weeks ago, actually. Okay. So, so I'm s- doing multiple at a time. Um, and it, it's, it's, it's kind of stressful, but uh, I love it. So Yeah. So you, you mentioned that you're doing hard money. And we'll, we'll dig into like an example of one of these properties. But so how, how are you doing hard money? Um, like what's your source? Or if, if you don't want to disclose, you can give us some generalities. But um, how do you structure that? Yeah, so uh, I, I don't really mind giving the source. Uh, so I'm going through Angie Pettyjohn at uh, P&J Mortgages. She's part of uh, the Alliance team. She'll probably appreciate the shout out. But I'm getting uh, I'm getting all the hard money from her. Um, we are purchasing with, uh, I guess, first mortgage, which is 8 and 2, uh, 8% interest, 2% broker fee, 1% lender fee. Construction at around 15%. Um, all these quotes might change depending on your personal situation. So I'm not a mortgage broker. Yeah. Please speak to professionals. Uh, and everything so above that. You're 15% uh, on your construction mortgage, which is in second position. And then you're getting hard money on, on top of that as well. Yeah, exactly. So every like it's 100% financed. Yeah. So you're, this is a three, three different financing sources so that you're, you're not putting anything down. And yeah, the only exactly. part that's not secured is the hard money at the end. So we've got private money uh, on the construction, I'm guessing. Is that a private mortgage? Because yeah, a pr- it's in second position. So That's a promissory note. So we have one for the down payment, one for the actual mortgage, and then a promissory note up and above into the construction. Yeah. Cost. Yeah. Okay. So a proper construction mortgage, though, as your second mortgage. Your first mortgage, would that be with a bank? No, probably not, right? Probably private as well. It's just one one private mortgage uh, total. Yeah. Oh, one private mortgage just segmented up into different rates on the different different amounts. Exactly. Oh, interesting. I don't, I don't. I've never really heard that uh, that done with the privates. Okay, so even the same the same guy is lending you the uh, the promissory note portion as well. Yeah, they're all lending. It's all going through Angie, so it's three oh, okay. different lenders. Uh, oh, okay. For, so for it's all each, through that broker. Yeah, it's three different things all yeah. through the broker. Uh, so the spreadsheet's a lot of carrying costs. So my margins are tighter. Uh, mm-hmm. So I have to I have to really know who I'm hiring for construction and to stick on budget. Yeah, I remember at one point I calculated I was spending over burning over four hundred dollars a day on a bungalow that I was renovating. And uh, when you know you're spending that much every day, every day counts. So when people yeah. don't show up, you're like, you just cost me $400. <laughs> yeah, I totally feel the pain. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If, it really does put things into a different perspective. Uh, okay, so you're on them. If they, if they miss one day, they don't show up, you're, you're calling them, what, what the heck's going on? Yeah, basically, because I mean, when you're doing when you're carrying that much money every day is and you have such a short project, like some of these projects are three to four months. Yeah. So some every day is going to be uh, lost income for you. Uh, so I mean, if you if you let them take it easy and slide off a week, then technically you just you just burn like two grand. 
So yeah. obviously that's not ideal for a flip project, especially when you don't have the market over time to make up for it. Yeah, it gets tricky, right? Because we, we've been lucky that the market keeps going up. But I mean, if it ever didn't, and you get you find yourself in that situation, like you can't go over budget. And anytime I'm running numbers, it's based on what the property can get today. But you also have to acknowledge that property could go down in value. So mm-hmm. it's, it's good to have a little bit of a buffer in there. So I, I don't want to breeze past this. So you said 15% on the construction mortgage portion. And then you're how much on the private, uh, like the P-note money, the, the hard money. So the hard money is 15%, the mortgage is 8%, and the down payment is 8%. So it's, it's, yeah, so say you purchase price of 400, you have a down payment of 80, which is 8%. You have the, you have the full mortgage up to the 400, which would be uh, the 10%, I believe. And then you have over and above the purchase price, a promissory note that's not actually tied to the property for 15. Okay. Okay. That's, uh, that's okay though. Those rates really aren't that bad for, I mean, it's when somebody doesn't know you and it's through a broker. If, yep. if you do it through friends and family, you can certainly uh, start to improve on that number. But now as you get a track record, you'll probably start getting those, those uh, offers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was, funny. I was not lucky with my family. Uh, they're not really interested in investing in real estate until, until I got, I, I got a few projects under my sleeve and then they're like, Oh, maybe this works. Well, here, here's what happens whenever you can actually get back to the Thanksgiving dinner table or whatever, you know, at Easter you're talking about, oh yeah, I just finished up this project, you know, hundred grand profit margin. And, uh, you know, our investors made this much and like, whoa, how do we do that? Well, if you're interested, we can talk. And like, it, it's funny how those, uh, those conversations pop up a little harder when, when we get a, a virtual Thanksgiving versus, uh, the real one. So we'll see, we'll see how that changes. But uh, yeah, that's that's awesome that you're you're moving forward like that. So uh, to recap, you're eight percent on the first with a two percent broker fee. You're fifteen percent on the second with also probably a broker fee in there, or is there no broker fee on top of that? There's ten percent on the mortgage, which is a two percent broker fee, one percent lender fee. Okay. And then the fifteen percent construction oh, okay. loan is fifteen yeah. percent and one percent lender fee. Okay. Yeah, we're talking a lot of numbers, so I missed that part. So yeah. you're ten percent oh, plus no, two on the on the second. So yeah, three different portions, borrowing everything, but give me an example, like how much are you able to to make by doing a deal like that? Sure. So realistically, it depends on the deal. Uh, I'll just give you some high level numbers for the one in Grimsby I just picked up that we expect. I haven't sold it yet, so I can't give yeah. you the exact dollar amounts. Uh, so we bought it actually, it's right along the beach for 460. Okay. The reason we actually got it so cheap is because it has a structural issue. So we'll be putting 135 grand in to fix it um, and selling it close to eight. 800. Okay. 800. So we're planning after all the fees are done. Cause obviously, you know, 15% on 130 grand over five months is a lot. So, but yeah. once all the fees are done, we're expecting to pull out close to hundred. Okay. That's okay, kind of so. a unicorn property. That's not really, not really expected, but every once in a while you do hit those, those home runs. Usually it's just base hits of like 20, 30, something like that. Yeah, that's five hundred and ninety thousand dollars in, and you're eight hundred thousand dollars out. But you said after you factor in your expensive financing, you'll be about a hundred grand. Yeah. Like okay. Fees, so you're realtor. Own, realtor fees as well. Yeah. Okay. So realtor fees are a big part, but you're you're going to save on some of those because you're a realtor, right? You list your own property. Exactly. So you're just paying the cooperating at like a two and a half percent or something like that. Yep. Most yeah. likely two, just because the market's so hot, we don't really have to go two yeah. percent or two and a half. 
Very good point. Very good point. I'm glad you brought that up. I just want to see how much your financing cost is. Like, do you know that number? Like, what's your total? Like, what are you estimating? Just your high level, like all financing, broker fees, and legal fees associated with your mortgage. Uh, I could actually pull it up on the spreadsheet yeah. right now. Yeah, I just ballpark just so people listening have an idea of what that looks like. Sure. So, I mean, my total carrying costs per month. Uh, I'm just going to wait for this to load. It's just, it's literally right in front of me. Yeah, no problem. Okay. So my total carrying costs per month would be around 3000 uh, mm-hmm. Total financing fees would be uh, twenty-five grand in interest over the four months. Twenty-five grand. Okay. There's carrying costs of eighteen grand. Uh, there's deferred payments for ten. Uh, we have ten of our own money in for the deposit, so that's kind okay. of offsetting the the down payment. But you're yeah. currently looking like thirty grand in interest. Thirty grand in interest. So yeah, twenty. You said twenty-five in interest originally, and then you said eighteen thousand in in uh, your other carrying costs. Is that mm-hmm. right? Yep. Including your insurance, taxes. What else would be in there? Uh, insurance taxes. That would be your uh, carrying costs for the for the down payment, like, carrying costs for the mortgage, carrying costs for the renovations. Oh, okay. So that's everything. That's so everything. All for, in carrying costs, including mortgage, including everything, is about thirty thousand. You said. Yeah. Okay. All right. Just sorry. I don't want to complicate things here. Okay. So that's, (laughs) that's good. So in that, in that 130, you told me earlier on top of that is that 30. And then on top of that is the realtor fees you're going to pay. Um, So the realtor fees on 800 is going to be about 45 grand, 45 grand. So when we add those two together, we're getting uh, 75 grand. So you're going to be 800 grand sale price minus 75 grand minus the 590 of your purchase and renovation. That's I see 135 here. I know there's a there could be a million other little things that are popping up, but some pretty good back of the envelope numbers. That sounds like a good deal. Like what do, what is it? And what are you doing to it? Uh, so it is a two two thousand square foot two and a two story. Um, home uh it's like you can literally see the water from your front porch so what we are doing too is we're tearing up the entire floor because the structural issue that we have it has no basement so it's just put up on blocks and we're putting a solid beam across the whole bottom of the house so we're going to have to underpin the house hold it up while we put that beam in and then after that it's mostly cosmetic stuff we'll be opening up We'll be opening up a wall to make the kitchen in the living room like more open concept. But after that, it's just like kitchen, bathroom, flooring, paint. So you're putting in a new I-beam under the whole house, just sliding it in from the side. So you're going to put a hole in the side of your... Is there an actual foundation wall or like a cinder block wall? Nothing. No. It's just like a little skirt that you can pull off? Yeah, we're actually gonna... pulling up the entire the entire floor inside the house and then put it, lifting the house up and then putting okay. the beam under. So you're going to you're gonna pay somebody to come in and lift the whole house up? Or yeah. you're just going to jack it up on, on uh, uh, hydraulic jacks? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Sounds like a fun project. It, uh, hopefully <laughs> as long as the house okay. doesn't fall down, but I mean, how are you getting something like that done? Plus an interior renovation for 130,000. So, uh, you just have to really know the right contractors. Um, okay. so there are obviously contractors as I'm sure you're aware that will kind of hose you for that thing. So I got a couple quotes. Um, some people that don't really do it that often gave me quotes that are like two and a half times what the one who's an expert in it does. Mm-hmm. So I would really get your experts when you're trying to get into these contractor projects, especially flip projects, because every delayed day, we cost you money. 
Yeah. So you really have to work with the correct, uh, correct team and the correct people around you. And I've just been fortunate enough to kind of walk into that and, and build like the, the holes when being on Dylan's team. Yeah. It's, it helps to be around people who are doing this stuff. They can kind of say, Oh, stay away from that. Um, and I'll just share a story. Like I just have it from yesterday. This, this plumbing contractor I've worked with a bunch, I refer them to my mom and my mom doesn't exactly know what she's looking for. So she gets them in there and then she texts me. She's like, Hey, does 8,800 sound all right for a basement, like adding in a basement bathroom when they're not doing anything other than coming in, like setting down the materials for like maybe a few hours. And I'm like, no, no, that's not all right. <laughs> Give me this guy's numbers. And I call him. I'm like, what do you, what do you got for this? What are you doing here? And like, just the numbers coming back. Oh, well, we, you know, we quoted $800 for a valve and a tap. I'm like, why do we need $800? We quoted 300 for a toilet. What's wrong with $140 toilet? <laughs> 500 mm-hmm. for the tub. You know, just like a lot of these things, like I don't like to micromanage, but if you, once you kind of get in this business, you know what you need don't leave room with your contractors for stuff you don't need or for them to spend money you don't need to spend uh, on things that don't matter to you, right? I don't, I think a $500 toilet doesn't mean anything to my mom over, a, you know, over a $140 toilet. So just, just things like that can help. But I mean, I'm, I'm shocked to hear that you, you're getting that number because I will say I've heard so many investors going through some bigger name contractors in our area, in, in the Hamilton, Burlington area, um, talking about, you know, a basement conversion plus a little bit of a minor reno upstairs, they're getting into $140,000. Mm-hmm. So you're doing this for 130 when you're getting into that kind of work is it's definitely impressive. Yeah. I mean, the best part about that for conversions, you have to go to the city and get all these permits and checks plus yeah. the cost of lumber, like during COVID, as I'm sure you're aware, it's gone up like yeah. a ridiculous amount. It's like three and a half to four times what it was before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, depending on the piece, four. right? Yeah. yeah. The, the two by four is the, the prime example of, of ridiculousness. Yeah. Yeah. It's like 280, 285 to like 860 now. I just saw it like yeah. home hardware like, like a couple days ago. So. Back my first project, it was a dollar eighty five plus tax. That was what I was oh. paying for two by four by eight. Perfect. We should go back to those days. That would be sweet. <laughs> if only I had stockpiled <laughs> just like warehouses full, I could have I could have sold them. Made, made yeah, if only we had known. You could have started a whole uh, a whole wood business, just sold it to investors for double what you bought it for, if and it they would stays- be they would be lining up. If it stays where it is, like, I mean, it almost makes sense to get in lumber milling almost, uh, yeah. and reclaiming. I think back to all the boards we used to throw out when we'd rip out interior walls, we'd throw out all the old, you know, because they weren't true two by fours, but they weren't like the current ones, but they also weren't true ones. No matter what, you don't want to mix your sizes. So we just chuck mm. them. Now you'd be crazy yeah. to do that. You should rip all the nails out of them, reuse them. Yeah, yeah. exactly. If only we had known it would get so, it would get so yeah. expensive so quick. I'm not really sure I see that ever coming down, though. I mean, I'd have to dig into more of what's what's going on, what's happening, like why it's so bad. But I mean, we're seeing that across the board, everything, right? Lumber's the worst, but everything is up, uh, yep. at least something. So For sure. we're going to have to be careful over the next, you know, the next few years with this inflation bug that's kind of hitting us. Yeah, I totally agree. I hope it doesn't hit our hit our economy too hard after everything like opens up again. Yeah, well, on that note... I've heard from a couple of people, so we're recording this April 14th, um, that the real estate market is starting to slow a little bit from where it was. Since you're in the business, why don't you give us your your thoughts on that? Sure. So it is actually starting to slow, um, depending on what you're doing. So I will say if you're for looking for a residential like house to live in just for a regular person, we are actually seeing conditions being uh, actually flying in properties and going back to the, the conditional times where you can actually get financing and actually get a home inspector in on some of the properties. 
if you are doing like projects like I'm trying to find like flip projects, you're still getting 15 offers per house. So it's kind of, well, cause investors don't really, they, they kind of know what they're doing and they know they're going to fix up anyway. So they don't really need a home inspection. Yeah. Like the, the house is a mess. The report would be like 55 pages long. So what kind of house is getting, is getting conditions right now? Like is it the $800,000 house, the million dollar house, like which ones are getting conditions? So realistically, in I'm just going to speak of Hamilton because I'm sitting there right now in, in my house. So uh, right. anywhere from 600 up, that is turnkey as a as a family home is actually allowing conditions now. Okay. I, I say allowing as in there's not enough competition that pushes it out. Right. Okay. So if you're in, you're into that kind of thing, then you're going to have uh, still multiple offers, but but with conditions or not yeah. even necessarily multiple offers. Yeah, there will be a couple. So it's not multiple offers like 10, but there will be one one to three, depending on how nice yeah. the property is, what the area. If there's been, yeah. you know, a, a couple of houses there for for sale in the past couple of years, maybe mm-hmm. there's only been one in that neighborhood and there'll be yeah. a couple of offers on it. But those are now starting to allow conditions. You'll go through a full due diligence process. Uh, if we're talking about, since we're on an investing podcast, if we're talking about any sort of investment that is still very hot. Yeah, but what can you even buy? Like, what's what's the current breakdown in Hamilton? What are investors buying? What do you see them buying, and what do you see them paying for it? Uh, so, duplex conversions, we're getting close to mid sixes, just on for bungalows, like standard things that would be, you know, like five hundred a couple of years ago or four hundred. We're seeing them pay around six fifty for a bungalow conversion, just a three up, two down. Uh, we're getting quotes now that are like one hundred and fifty for a conversion. Uh, hundred and sixty like to, to do the conversion and as far as contractor pricing. Yeah, as far as so, so people are pricing. paying six fifty to buy it and then they're paying a hundred and forty, hundred and fifty a reno, including like a nice probably a little bit of a touch up upstairs as well. For sure. Wow. Uh, <laughs> and then we're refinancing uh close to the eight fifties, but we're hitting like around eight twenty five. But it's it's steadily going up. So what's, and what's are, happening with rents on those? So like, rents for a three bedroom units were like some people are getting twenty three hundred plus utilities okay. for a three bedroom upper, uh, basement seventeen plus utilities something around there seventeen seventeen fifty. It is that new? Like is how I'm trying to think of what people used to say rents were on the uppers. Like last year, what would you have said the upper rent would be? Lower rent would be like upper rent nineteen fifty two thousand last year. Okay, so we're up. This is what I see consistently is it always takes, it takes a while for rents to catch up to, to the housing prices. And my take on that is when landlords know they're not getting as much money for a unit, they, they won't buy properties to rent them out so that the supply dwindles and then people start bidding up, but there's going to come a point, like what kind of tenant do you see paying 2,300? A self-employed business person that can't get a mortgage. Um, a family. So we're seeing more people move into less spaces, which is uh, very usual all across the rest of the world. So Canada is quickly catching up to that, where instead of instead of like a husband, a wife and a a kid moving into a three bedroom unit, um, you now see like maybe the grandmother lives with them. Yeah. Uh, Maybe they have multiple kids, like that sort of stuff. And I really don't like that as a landlord, the the overuse of the property, like what you get into the damage they cause to the property by living that way in the clutter, it makes it hard to re-rent because you've got like a big family living in a small space. Yeah, exactly. Uh, But that's going to become the norm, right? People are just going to have to start seeing through that. I sort of have that at one of my properties and I didn't want that, but you know, there's people just putting too many people in smaller spaces. Yeah, and then well, what are they going to do, right? If they've got it, they've got it. If it's not worth it to landlords to offer a rental product, then they will have nowhere to live, right? So that's, I think that's just where things are going to have to go. 
Yeah, totally agree. And that's why they you kind of have to do a mini renovation, like painting or maybe flooring or depends on the damage after. But yeah. that's why the rents are going so high because they have to cover it because the prices are yeah. so high now that we are we have to have those rents. Otherwise, it just doesn't make sense to landlord. Yeah. Landlords aren't going to aren't going to continue. Yes, there, you're going to be there's going to be a few people who are going to pay too much and and get negative cash flow. But the rest are going to expect cash flow. And then and the market does catch up to that. So. I'm trying to apply this knowledge to what I see in Florida right now because it's it's crazy here too. You know, 15% year over year increase, uh, but they're far behind, right? You can still buy a side by side duplex. They call it a duplex down here. Uh, It's more of a semi, but you can still buy that under 500 brand new construction, 450 something in that range. Pretty wild, uh, wild numbers when you think of what things cost at home. Yeah, like even in uh, even in Alberta or, or anywhere outside of Ontario, the prices are nearly as inflated. So I look at those yeah. prices, I'm like, this is this is how this is yeah. free, like yeah. <laughs> compared to Ontario prices. Well, yeah, I think I think Alberta is a big opportunity right now. I know a lot of people flocking out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just kind of wanted to get a little bit of money outside of Canada for for a number of reasons with what's going on. But mm-hmm. um, so, what do you see happening in the near future? I know you talk about doing burrs. Um, where are you going to focus your energy knowing how crazy property values have gone in, in you know, the southwestern Ontario market? Uh, so I really like the Niagara region. Um, I feel it is a, a bit undervalued from where it should be, especially when you mm-hmm. get outside of St. Catharines. Uh, the only reason I, I plan to do a bunch of multifamily conversions come like November, December. Uh, the only reason I'm trying to stay away, I mean, obviously, if it's a fantastic deal, I'll still go there. But the only reason I'm trying to stay away from St. Catharines is because working with the city is quite a pain mm-hmm. which i'm sure you've had before or heard before from a i've heard a lot, investors. Heard a lot yeah <laughs> so anything like any conversion outside in well in niagara falls even 40 or in paul colburn are actually decent uh decent cash flow property still let me ask you this though i always see those things as an opportunity do you not see it as an opportunity that all the investors say the same thing about st Catharines? that means they're not really looking at st Catharines. That's true. So I, I do see it as an opportunity. It's just I don't know whether I want to go through the headache yet with this. Yeah, you got to become an expert in St. Catharines. Know know the guy. Go go take him out for coffee or something like that. I don't know. Yep, you definitely do. I always, gonna, I always do see those things as an opportunity if you want to put in the time. But um, where's the best cash flow right now? Like where where do you look in in the Niagara region for cash flow and and what do you like? What don't you like? If you're doing uh, solely cash flow, I would say that Port Erie and Fort. Corburn because the rents are actually decently high and the property prices have not appreciated nearly as much as like St. Catharines and Welland. Okay. So Welland, there's like, uh, I checked yesterday, there was four multifamilies on the market. So obviously that's going to be extreme competition uh, as there's a ton of investors moving into the Niagara region. Um, so Fort Erie and Port Colburn are a little, are a little slept on and you can cash flow very well, much nicer than you can in the other areas. Yeah. If cash flow is your only, uh, well, not only, but if cash flow is the main concern. So what, give me an example of what you can buy in, in Fort Erie. Sure. So Fort Erie duplex, uh, you're spending around 400. Uh, mm-hmm. your, upper, your upper unit is cash flowing. It's three bedroom, two bedroom down. Uh, it's cash flowing around, or I guess I'll give you the rents first. So up would be 1650. Down would be around 1350 to 1400 for a really nice one. Mm-hmm. And you can be cash flowing above like 500, 600 bucks. Okay. And that's, that's just for that's just for turnkey. That's not creating anything. That's not burring process. That's just buying a duplex. That's completely renovated. Completely renovated turnkey project. Yeah. Okay. 
So there's opportunity there. I'm just seeing what, what rule does this set? So you're 2,900 gross rent on something for 4,000. That's uh, yeah, 0.72. It's not 1% rule, but it's pretty good for, for Ontario. Those are good numbers. 0.72. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 1% rule you can get, you're just moving far, far out of the cities. So yeah, yeah, you can still get that. Where would you look if you wanted to find 1% rule? Uh, I know you can get it up north. Uh, yeah. I'm not an expert of up north by any means. Oh, yeah, but like I have, Sudbury or something like that, yeah. Yeah, Sudbury, I have seen things come in from Thunder Bay. Uh, I have seen th- things come in from like towns you wouldn't have heard of. I actually can't remember the town name. Yeah. But it's it's stuff like that's north of Thunder Bay where you're getting like a 1.3% rule. Yeah. But, the problem like with that, yeah. The problem with that is there's no, uh, there's no structure. There's no, yeah. um, th- there's no nothing in the city really. It's like a kind of a one one mining town or yeah. a, a town that was forgot about where you're still getting rents, but there's no there's no appreciation there. It's a flat market or declining. Yeah, uh, I was just gonna say you can go to Youngstown, Ohio, and get three percent rule, but. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's a, it's only in theory, you know, so sometimes these things are only in theory, they're not in practice. And that's the problem. So in the Niagara region, what do you like, like what level of comfort do you have with Fort Erie that there's going to continue to be a demand for housing there? Like what are the factors that contribute that make you comfortable there? Um, the factors that people are moving out of St. Catharines of Welland just for cheaper housing. So Fort yeah. Erie is, uh, I would say kind of a vacation town. But the, I guess the benefit of there being that there's almost no rentals. So the demand for rentals is high, but that's because there's one or two or three properties okay. that, are, that are available like ever or in, in the you know, couple of months. So, so these are just people moving there that, what, are they retired? Are they, yep. are they working remotely? Like what's, their, what's the typical demographic? Yeah, both. So either retired or working remotely, something that frees up their location so that they yeah. don't need to live in, in a city. So if they're if they don't need to live in Toronto anymore, where they're paying uh, 2500 to rent or a million and a half for a house, they sell their house and move down to Fort Erie and they can buy a literal mansion for the same price. <laughs> That's actually, uh, it's pretty good. I mean, it, it's kind of pigeonholed in the way because the city doesn't support it. It doesn't have its own industry supporting. I mean, of course, services are going to move in to, to service the people. It's a long commute if you're, you know, if you're going into Hamilton to work or something oh, for like sure. that. Although some people probably would do it, right? It's 45 minutes, I think, to get from Fort Erie to, to Hamilton. Right. It's an hour. So, an if, hour? I mean, yeah. if people just had to go to the office like one or two times a, a week, it could be, still be worth like a viable option. But if they had yeah. to go in every day. Uh, that would drive me crazy. I'm sure it would drive other people crazy, but I'm sure there's some people that do it just for the to just for the, the cheaper low. living. Yeah. yeah, to keep the bills low. I think there are people that will do it. It probably wouldn't be me. I, I'm, but you know, <laughs> it just depends on how crazy things get, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, I have the you know, I'm fortunate that I can work remotely, so it would it would be okay for me. But I prefer a warmer climate. <laughs> yeah, I could I could see that's why you're in Florida the whole time. I would, I'm kind of kind of jealous, but yeah, it's, it's warming up here too. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I heard that you guys are getting some nicer weather, so that's that's good. We we actually managed to. Um, so Carmen has some beach rentals, and they they have to be rented weekly. The bylaw here says they have to be weekly, and then she had a five day vacancy. So we've uh, we've got ourselves down here. Uh, I don't know if you can see this. Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah. I'm saw, so jealous. I'm so jealous now. <laughs> I saw a dolphin from where I'm sitting right now earlier oh, come on. yesterday. I just turned to the right and, and then we saw him again this morning. So. 
so so you're so you're completely open you're out where dolphins are and then yeah. we are in like total gray lockdown yeah. meaning absolutely nothing is open beside grocery stores and and a bunch of other stores and you can't even buy like non-essential non-essential quote unquote um yeah i like to actually and it's not to rub it in people's faces i do put this on instagram and stuff whenever i post stuff or talk about this stuff just for anyone listening i don't do it to rub it in i do it to to incite the proper response which is anger at your politicians for doing things that don't make sense um down here people are not dropping dead they're just living life you know it's mm. it's pretty cool so i'm hoping i'm hoping that people will just say you know what enough's enough uh we gotta we gotta move on with things so um i don't know if you're seeing any of that at home right now like if you see any uh, uh any signs of that happening are, are people more or less just on board with this latest lockdown or do you see a lot of pushback uh, I would say about 50, 50, uh, yeah. really depends. I, I have the benefit of being an essential worker. So I yeah. kind of go on like nothing's happened, but some people are, you mm-hmm. know, especially like waiters, bartenders, anyone that's in the service industry, they're kind of losing their jobs and they're, they're sick of lockdowns yeah. being happening. Cause now they literally can't afford to live basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so from that side, it's very bad. Uh, people that are retired like the lockdowns, but that's, that's just cause they're like, uh, they're a bit scared. I would think, uh, being a bigger de- yeah. demographic of risk. Um, so I mean, yeah, depends who sure. I'm out with. I see it from both sides. You see it for, okay. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's a valuable perspective to have. I, I think that, you know, just, it's just tough. It's tough for me to stomach the whole, it doesn't affect me because it truthfully, it hasn't affected me at all. I'm, I'm essential. You know, my business is essential. hasn't been hurt in any way from the profit standpoint. So um, everything I say and do is really just to my own detriment because mm-hmm. <laughs> you're not supposed to talk about these things. But uh, anyways, I, I do think it's really important. And for anyone listening, speak your mind. I think there's a lot of, a lot of reason that we should get this open for a lot of people that are really hurting right now. But uh, anywho, so to get back to our discussion on real estate, so you've got, uh, you gave me an example, the one you're going to sell, you think maybe between 100, 130 profit, what else you got coming up in the pipeline here? Uh, so I have another flip project in St. Catharines. Mm-hmm. Um, that one is going to be around a 450 purchase price. Mm-hmm. We're putting around 60 grand. This is, this is a kind of a straight cosmetic. So there's nothing exciting really mm-hmm. about this. Uh, it's just like a new kitchen, new bath, uh, new yeah. roof, flooring, paint, uh, new windows, like proper light fixtures and then staging. Okay. Um, so it'll be 450 as a purchase price. You're putting around 60 down so you're um, for 510 or so plus your yeah. carrying costs. Yeah. Plus your carrying costs, so say 20 grand for carrying or something. Yep, it would be a 25 grand for carrying. Um, you're in for around, um, what's that, like 530, 540? Yeah, 535. Okay, 535. We're selling, we're, we're expecting six, but based on the, the market, we're expecting six when we bought, but the market has gone up since then. So we're expecting like closer to 625, we'll say. Okay. Hopefully 650, but that's a bit of speculation. Uh, wishful thinking on my end. Um, so if that happens that we should pull out a, a nice profit after realtor fees and staging yeah. discharge fees, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Like you'd be, you'd be roughly, so factoring a two and a half percent realtor commission, you'd clear about six Oh nine. Um, and then you'd have your legal fees and, and what have you. So you'd have maybe, maybe even a $75,000 profit. And are you splitting this or is this, is this on your own? Yeah, this is split with my brother. Oh, with your brother? Okay, so you guys are just yeah. kind of handling the management together. Because you're, you're working full-time, right? With your clients uh, running your realtor business, right? Yeah, for sure. So I'm actually the active partner in all these, and my brother's the, yeah. the money partner. He actually lives in Alberta that he just moved to with his wife. He's sending me houses that he can buy for 500000 and then I am just 
shaking my head at them because they're, you know, seven bedroom right on the water mansions. So, mm-hmm. uh, obviously it's not ideal. It's kind of, we bought the house in St. Catharines for the same price and it's falling apart. So, yeah. uh, it's <laughs> different market. Yeah. Different yeah. market, different market. But uh, why have a partner when you're able to finance 100%, like you've said, so I'm only able to finance 100% because both of us are on. Okay. So I'm so also you have bringing, both guarantees. You, you guys are both giving a guarantee on it. Exactly. Okay. We're both giving a guarantee. Plus I am now able to bring him um, or he wants to come into the business and it's beneficial to me because now I can bring most of my family into the business if it works out with him. So it's kind of a, yeah, a, a family reason. Uh, if I was just doing it as an investor, I probably wouldn't do a partner. Yeah, uh, unless unless like the like I have clients that uh, partner with me, like that sort of thing. But just because they want to be, they want to mm-hmm. be like a, a passive money partner. But if it was just for myself, uh, I would be like Dylan, as as he taught me as a mentor, to kind of just use hard money and then own have one hundred percent ownership. Yeah. Well, I mean, but that's, he doesn't do that, right? He's got Robbie in there with him, but at the same time, like there's a lot of reasons. I think, I think the big, the big comment there is it's what do you get that's intangible from that partner? It's not just money. There's always something else. And I think the best is when that partner pushes you and you guys are more together than you would be the two of you on your own. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I think that it sounds like you you might have that, and then of course with family, once once one of them's earned some money, that they of course tell everybody else that they've earned some money, and it gets them wanting to do it too. So that is exactly what yeah. I'm hoping. So yeah, because uh, my family was not on board when I started, so I'm, yeah. I'm chipping away slowly at them because I'm like, why would yeah. you why would you work your whole life and not invest if you can just do this? So. Right. Yeah. Smart thinking. I, I went totally unconventional for my family as well. Like my family did not think like this. No one invested in real estate ever. I got my brother sort of hooked on it. Actually, he, I think he might've had a rental property before I did. No, no, it wasn't before, but it was roughly in that time. We were both talking about it and he finally did. Um, and then I've gotten him into investments and you know, it, it goes a long way, right? Because then other people, oh, well, I heard you did this with, with this guy. So, um, and then friends, the same thing. Like I had one friend that lent to me and then, you know, soon enough, his mother-in-law is calling me saying she wants to invest. And, you know, these things, uh, just give people a good experience, teach your investor or treat your investors really well and things, uh, things come around. So awesome. Eric, anything sure. else you'd like to share? Uh, your wisdom that you've gleaned so far in your flipping business um, to investors thinking about getting going or people that uh, maybe want to get more active and flip. Uh, so I will say that I think flipping is the hardest, uh, especially if you're doing with hard money. If you are doing with your own money, it's a bit different, mm-hmm. but uh, I don't usually recommend it to newer investors. The reason being that they have to manage a lot of uh, contractors issues, that sort of stuff. So, I mean, I help my clients through that as they can, but if you are a newer investor, I would suggest, and this is just my personal opinion to get into the market first. So you have an idea of kind of what it entails, like the basics. Um, I am really a fan of equity over time rather than flipping. So if you can stay in the market over, over a period of time, that's where wealth and generational wealth is built. And flipping is just kind of like the, the day trading of being in the stock market. But all yeah. the wealth in the stock market has been, has been built over years and years and years. Well, you can make your active full-time income from flipping, right? I think that's the For difference. Sure. Like maybe you're not trying to do that. This is just sort of practice gearing up to do burrs, which is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and a little bit of gravy as well. But, uh, you know, for me, for a while, my, my business was flipping uh, student rentals, like, you know, buying them and I started a company for that. Um, 
but it's much better to just keep them. <laughs> I agree with For you. Sure. Like I looked yeah. at any one I sold to this date and I would have gotten more by keeping it. So mm. Um, yeah, totally. Know, it's that's something something you got to weigh, right? If it depends, like if you you have a full time career now, so you're you know you don't need this to be your active full time income. Yeah, if we if you want to be like full time and flipping, we can get you there. It's just yeah. I personally don't think it is the best. Yeah, uh, but that, that's just my personal opinion. If you if you love flipping, you love yeah. the activeness of it, then 100 percent go yeah. for it. I don't want to stop anyone's growth. He'll always shed some tears over the ones you sold, though. <laughs> always will. Um, okay, so where do people reach you if they if they want to connect? Sure. Uh, so I guess uh, the easiest way would be on Facebook. So it's just okay. Eric Doyle, E-R-I-K-D-O-Y-L-E. Uh, fairly active there on Instagram. It's Eric Doyle Realtor. So you can reach me at either of those two social media platforms. Uh, fairly active on my messages. That'll just be the fastest way. Or email eric at elevationrealty.ca. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we'll post that all in the show notes so everybody can access that. Um, and then of course, I guess if people are looking to, uh, to buy real estate in Hamilton, you can help them. Are you, are you doing work right down to Fort Erie as well? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, general markets, I cover Hamilton, Brantford, all the way to Fort Erie. Okay, cool. Well, I really appreciate this, Eric. It was nice chatting with you again. It's been a while, <laughs> but it's uh, been a while. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm glad to see you're crushing it, and I'll look forward to hearing uh, how much money you're making on these next couple of flips. Perfect. I'll uh, I'll come back for for a second episode in a bit, and then we'll we'll do an update. And I look forward to to seeing all you guys at a new investor meet whenever we open up. Yeah, whenever that can happen. Again, <laughs> whenever that happens, you know, in yeah. 2050. But yeah, 2050. Yeah, I've seen some good memes around that one. Anyways. Yeah, me too. So, all right, buddy. Have a good one. All right. Thanks a lot. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Please make sure to share this episode far and wide. Help it help more people. I really appreciate you tuning in. Thanks. I'll see you on the next one. 